0: Welcome to Cycle Breakers and Moneymakers, a podcast for women of color and first gen who are breaking generational cycles and glass ceilings by going places no one before them has ever gone. I'm your host, leadership coach and eldest daughter of immigrants, Mariella Delamora. I left a 16 year marketing career to create a multiple six figure a year coaching business as a single mom. Each week you'll learn how to build unshakable self-trust, become in demand, Lead with confidence and make more money by being more of who you are. Hey, y'all! Oh my gosh, I cannot believe I am recording my first podcast episode on cycle breakers and money makers. Like, this has been on my heart for four years. Like, quick side story I recorded nine podcast episodes in 2019, nine, they were guest interviews. And I never published them. I decided to focus on growing my coaching business first. But for many, many reasons, this is a full circle moment. I'm so excited just to bring stories to you, knowledge to you, inspiration to you that have really just changed my life and been the culmination of like my entire life, which I will share a part of, like a big part of my story. Today, maybe get ready to cry. I've, my story is is going to take you for a loop. But first before I dive into that, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about the podcast, the intention behind it, and then kind of go into the rest. So, cycle breakers and money makers. Let's talk about the name. The reason I called it this is because who I serve and what has changed my life has been breaking cycles of survival, breaking cycles of scarcity. And things that were inherited through being a child of immigrants. And there's so many wonderful, amazing things about being a daughter of immigrants. And also we are in many ways breaking cycles, whether you're a child of immigrants or not, whether you are just wanting to do better than the way that you were raised or wanting to create more. And all of that is you being a cycle breaker. And now it requires us to break cycles for us to make more money, freedom, purpose, all those things. And so that is really what this podcast is about and who it is for. If you see that you are someone who is breaking generational patterns, whether it's mindset in the choices that you're making in your life, you are a cycle breaker. So you're going to hear me talk a lot on this podcast about being first gen. So I'm the eldest daughter of immigrants. My parents immigrated from Mexico. And I, in many ways, see that immigration is the result of trauma, of our parents immigrating to create a better life, right? And as a result of that, we observed a lot of them like being in survival mode because they had to be. They were just focused on providing a better life. And so what I do as a coach and a big part of what's changed my life was recognizing where I and my clients have been in survival mode without realizing that we are and in the ways that even survival mode can create so much success. Like you can be in survival mode and make a bunch of money in corporate and get the best grades in college. And many of my clients are are those people. But there comes a point where you are climbing up this Maslow's hierarchy of needs and you're like, there's something more. There's something missing. I feel like I'm meant to do more in this world and I feel guilty and I feel confused. And a lot of that is really just us safely elevating ourselves out of survival mode and realizing we have more capacity to ask ourselves different questions and to discover ourselves and who we are on a deeper level that we couldn't really do or that our parents and previous generations couldn't do because they were just focused on survival. So that is a lot of what I'll talk about. That's part of being a cycle breaker and i'm also going to be talking a lot about how self love and self trust change everything that you are unstoppable if you have those things so about me and my story there's a lot here y'all you're going to be like dang i didn't know all of this about you i've lived a life like i'd say in particular the last 10 years but to start off i was like the poster child for being the eldest daughter of immigrants in wanting to like get the good grades and be the good girl and be helpful and all those things and make my parents proud. I wanted to be the daughter that they talked about at parties and being like, Mariana's gotten such good grades, you know, and she's just doing so well. And a lot of that was like, I wanted to make my parents' and family's sacrifice worth it. And I say this in air quotes, but a lot of us, I think, carry that pressure, even if it was never explicitly told to us. And the reason that I think sometimes that hits that expectation of wanting to make your family's sacrifice worth it hits eldest daughter's so much is because as an eldest daughter you are typically very close to your family's immigration story i was i would hear about you know my dad growing up in mexico and him being poor and one of 16 kids and just like how he had to work since he was 5 years old he had to milk the cows and sell the milk and come back home and go to school and do it all over again and how he didn't have a childhood and You know, how my grandfathers both worked in the fields, picking fruits and working in dairy farms, making 25 cents an hour, working seven days a week, all to send money back to Mexico so that decades later, our families could immigrate to the United States. And imagine it's like just knowing that, it's like, how could I not want to do everything possible to be like, wow, I am so aware that I am one generation removed from poverty? So, Of course, without anyone asking me to do this, I just was told like, life is hard. Life is expensive. Whatever you do, pick a career that's going to make you a lot of money. You need to work hard. You need to be the hardest worker. You need to be the person who shows up early for work. Even if everyone else is slacking off, you have to be the best, right? Like These are the things that I observed and sometimes was explicitly told. And I just wanted to be the good girl. I wanted to be the successful one. I wanted to just make their sacrifices worth it. I wanted to maybe even avoid some of the things that they struggled with and I wanted an easier life, right? So I did all of the right things. Again, right things in air quotes. I went to college, I then got my master's degree. I got the six-figure job. I married my high school sweetheart. We were together for 13 years. We had a condo in San Francisco we had a beautiful wedding, we had a European honeymoon, but beneath all of that, what people didn't know and what I didn't even really want to admit to myself was I had a life that looked great on paper, but underneath it all, I was in a very controlling relationship where you know, I was being gaslit and cheated on and I didn't know who I was. I had created this life and was like, I just don't I just don't know if this is what I want. But of course, because I hadn't really ever asked myself those deep questions at the time, I just knew I wasn't happy, but I was trying to make it work. And so at that time, the only thing I can think about was, okay, you know what? I'm just going to focus on myself. I want to lose weight. I want to you know, get fit. So I did that for a year and I lost 42 pounds in nine months. I started eating more healthy and there was something about the act of me just taking care of myself that made me see myself differently. And it rewired me. And I think in retrospect, this was the beginning of me learning how to rewire my brain through self-love because I didn't really love myself before. I didn't really trust myself before. I had outsourced my self-trust to other people of like, what should I be doing? Am I right? Am I wrong? Am I crazy? Am I asking for too much? Am I emotional? Am I dramatic? Am I ungrateful? Like, I don't know. And so in this relationship, we were in it for 13 years. We were already married. After spending this year of like loving myself, fitness, losing weight, I realized, oh my God, like I am deserving of me being taken care of and feeling good. So what happened was the next time infidelity came up, in the relationship and I found out about it. It's like another person showed up that day and was like absolutely not. We're not having this. You're married. You thought it would change. It didn't. It's time to go. And I told myself that day that I found out, you're going to move out tonight. You're not going to stay here. You're going to move. And I did. That night when he wasn't home, I grabbed all my stuff. I grabbed my cat, <laughs> put everything in the car. I told my mom, "Ma, I'm coming home. Don't ask me questions." But I just I need to go. And in that that was the beginning of just really me choosing myself and you know from that point on it was just years of self discovery. I moved to San Diego, I like partied and lived the single life for a while, met a ton of new friends that I really couldn't do when I was in a controlling relationship. And even then after moving to San Diego and being single on for the first time in my life, really, I still felt like something was missing. And so During that time, I still had had the same job that I had when I was in the 13-year relationship and they went through another round of layoffs. And I asked myself, do I even want to reapply for a job at this company after a layoff? And I thought it was crazy at the time to think, if I leave this company, I don't know that I want to go work for another company. Like I, I feel like this sounds crazy, but I feel like I just want to let myself be laid off and just go to Europe, <laughs> like fly, go, get a one-way ticket there. And so I remember at the time just being so conflicted and feeling like, man, like there's still something missing. I, I feel like I I want to go travel, like I, I just don't know. And so I talked to a friend of mine about it, and I said, you know, I'm contemplating whether or not I let this layoff happen and, and reapply for a different job, or if I just let them lay me off and then I buy a one-way ticket. And he said, okay if you were to think about going to Europe, like leaving the job and going to Europe and things did not go the way that you planned, would you regret it? And I was like, no, because I could just go get another job. And he's like, okay. And what if you stayed, would you ever regret it? And I was like, yeah, I feel like I'd always wonder if, and he's like, okay, that's your choice. So layoffs happened. I let them lay me off. I did not apply for another job, bought a one-way ticket to London. And I started a year of solo traveling and I, the reason I did this is because something in me, my higher self was speaking to me and was like, Mariela, you need to be on your own. I, I couldn't even go to lunch by myself before. I was so dependent on other people and people pleasing and all of this that like, I think my soul and like my higher self was speaking to me and saying, you need to go. Be by yourself. Listen to yourself. I think this was higher self saying, I've been trying to talk to you your whole life, been trying to talk to you, but you haven't been able to listen to me. Go travel alone so I can talk to you. It's me and my higher self. So I did. I got the one way flight to London. So I I left the job, six figure job. I bought the one way flight to London. I became an underground hip hop journalist through friends. They wanted someone who knew social media who could go and do interviews. So I, I literally became an underground hip hop journalist. I interviewed like UK hip hop artists. I traveled for almost a year. I would sit there and just like be in awe of my life. Sometimes I would wonder like, what am I doing? I would cry from loneliness. I think I felt grief for the first time from like my divorce and from being, you know, single for the first time, but also just being like physically alone for the first time. And I feel like like the old version of me like died on that trip. And during my solo travels, I met my daughter's dad in London. And I remember at the time being like, I don't want a relationship for like the first time in my life. Like, I don't want a relationship. I'm finally happy being alone. Do not want to fall in love with this man. And I really was having a hard time trusting if I'm making the right decision because he wanted to be with me. And I was like, well, you know, what do I know about love? I just came out of a terrible relationship where I was, you know, being cheated on and all of this. And so I just kind of had to trust what I knew at the time. Right. And so that relationship happened, dated long distance. We got married again because you can't be an American dating a Brit without eventually one of you getting married because you can't just live in the other's country. So I think we had very serious conversations up front, much more than if we had lived in the same country. You know, my family had to grieve me kind of leaving to London and, and leaving everyone behind. But they were happy for me. And those London years were the ones where like I achieved more than I ever have. In retrospect, I was burying my loneliness in work and in achievement, which is what I know how to do very well. So became a marketing director I grew a tech company on the side called Nectar. It was a dating app and just continued to kind of bury my feelings in work. But you know, I don't regret that because I, you know, I think that was I achieved a lot. But, you know, I was also a newlywed. I didn't really know anybody there. I still was like missing home and missing my family. But, you know, we we started to try to have our own family. I always knew that I wanted to be a mom. I wanted multiple kids and I finally felt like I got to this point where I was like I'm married, I have this great job, I, I know that I'm going to be okay. We started to try to have kids. Unfortunately, the first two pregnancies did not carry through. And then we split up a little over a year after getting married. I didn't expect it. I won't go into details about that, but I just, I didn't think we would be there. You know, it wasn't something I would have imagined. Not that anyone can ever imagine, Doris. I think I was, you know, a little bit in denial. And so two weeks later, after the split, I find out I'm pregnant. And in that moment, I was terrified. I was like, "No, no, 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 no. Like, this can't be it. like it this is not how it's supposed to happen. I had been wanting this life of the husband and the kids for my whole life. and it felt like I was being given it, but not in the circumstance that I wanted. I was like, this is where my husband and I are supposed to be together doing this." And now we were splitting up. We're still having a baby, but I'm having a baby. And like, how is this going to work if we're splitting up, you know? And I just remember coming home after finding out I'm pregnant. He had already moved out. And I just sat in the spare bedroom of our two bedroom condo in the west side of London near Chiswick in our building that had 24 hour security, this life that I really thought was going to be it for us. And I remember sitting in the spare bedroom that was supposed to be the nursery and I just cried. And I held my belly and I was like, what's wrong with me? I know that sounds mean, but I was like, what's wrong with me? I have achieved everything I ever wanted professionally. Why can't I make the one thing happen that I've always wanted, which is the marriage and kids? It's like I'm getting emotional saying that because I think I still carry part of that with me. But it's like, I i was an achiever. I could make anything happen. And this was just the one thing that I felt like kept escaping me. And so in that moment, I had to be like, you know what, Mariela? We don't have time for this. We are going to have a baby. <laughs> we don't have time to grieve. We need to figure out how we're going to do this. Because I couldn't have the baby in the UK because I don't know anybody there. I also was like, well, I'm going to have to quit my job in order to move back to America. And I can't go look for a job pregnant because who's going to hire me pregnant? Let's be real, as much as the, maybe that's against the law. But like, I was like, I'm going to have a belly. They're not going to hire me. And I need to live in San Francisco where my parents are. But it's also the most expensive, second most expensive city in the United States. So what am I going to do? Go move back, find a job, be self sufficient, find an apartment, have a baby not get paid because there's really not no real maternity leave. I was, you know, making high six figures. And so I was terrified. I was like, how am I going to make this work? How am I going to raise this baby? And so my parents, I remember one day my mom called me and she's like, Mija, I just want to let you know, I know you are not sure what you're going to do, but I just want to let you know, if you want to move in with us, you can, you don't need to pay rent and if that makes it easier for you to have this baby just know that you can do that and i immediately like i fell to the ground and i was so relieved because it it allowed me to admit how much i wanted this baby like even though i was going through a divorce it reminded me like i love her so much like i already in my in my belly i was like i'm i can't wait to be her mom and i just said yes okay i'm going to be okay i'm going to move back at the end of the summer which is what i did so i freaking worked my butt off that whole summer at my job. We were launching a new website. We were launching a new app. There was so much stuff going on. And I just let myself enjoy that summer, go out, <laughs> drink, you know, sparkling water with lime out with my, you know, UK co-workers, my, my London coworkers, And I just, I enjoyed my last summer there. And like I said, I worked my butt off I grieved in the little pockets that I could, but I didn't really have too much time. And, and then I moved back to SF. Um, I moved back in with my parents. And at this point, I was broke for the first time in my life. It cost a lot of money to move overseas. I had cashed in my 401k to solo travel. I'd spent the money again to move back. I had a cat that had to get papers <laughs> to move to each country back and forth. And so even though I had done all the quote unquote right things, I had gone from marketing director living in a a bougie West London building with my husband to being on food stamps and Medi-Cal. And I had to give up my full-time job to move back. Thankfully, I didn't have to quit it. They let me stay on working part-time. I continued to work hard. I led my team from the UK. I remember taking 5 a.m. meetings. So 5 a.m., it was like 1 o'clock p.m. in the UK. I'd take meetings. I would angle my laptop up so I can breastfeed my baby. I would have meetings with my boss while Pi slept in her swing. And I just made it work. And I just, I just worked hard and I recouped and I saved the money and blessed my parents just for being who they are because I couldn't have had her, raised her, you know, without them. And I just recovered emotionally and financially um, as much as I could. I just saved as much as I could. And then in 2018, I was ready to find a full-time job and put pie in daycare which is what I did that year and i went on a string of interviews for different tech companies i'm in the market i'm what's considered a first marketing hire which is essentially the person you bring in to start a new division either launching a new product within a successful company going in and rebranding and relaunching a struggling product like i'm basically like the marketing entrepreneur within the big company and so all these companies were after me wanting me to be that person you know i, I interviewed for uber facebook google and in those interviews i got a job offer worth a quarter million and side note last year my business brought in over a quarter million cash so it took me 3 years to get to paying myself more than corporate would but side note i got an offer worth a quarter million and i just remember feeling like there's no way that i can't imagine me coming into this office perks or not i couldn't imagine me going into this office like i felt like throwing up by saying yes and i said no and It felt crazy at the time because it wasn't like I was saying no for another job. I was just saying no. I knew that the no meant corporate. It meant I was not going to be in corporate. I wasn't going to work for someone else. And at the time, I didn't know what I was going to do instead, but I just knew that I needed to say no to this. So sometimes you don't know what you're saying yes to, but you know what you need to say no to right now. Like I said, I knew I wasn't going to work for someone else, so it was a no. So then the next year in 2019, I discover coaching. Like what is coaching? You know, I knew there were sports coaches. I knew there were health coaches. I knew there were, but I didn't realize like coaching could be such a niche industry that you literally can solve any problem you want to solve. And so 2019, I start building my brand. I start helping other people through my healing journey. I didn't have an offer. I literally just went and I was just sharing. I started to use my personal Instagram just to be inspirational, to talk about healing, to talk about growth, to talk about my journey. And I ultimately hired my first one-on-one coach, shaped my offers, landed my first client three months later, landed another one and landed another one. And I told myself, I was like, I'm a a coach now. I still have my job and I'm a coach. I know that I don't want to make it to the five-year anniversary of my job. So I'm going to have to make a decision about when I'm going to quit my job. Because if I don't make the decision now, it's never going to feel comfortable to leave. So I made a plan. And I looked at my savings and I looked at you know all of this and I said, if I land three clients in two months, I'm going to quit and I'm going to do it that day. I'm going to do it the day that the third client says yes, because otherwise I'm going to change my mind. The day I landed my third client in less than two months, I emailed HR and I handed in my notice as marketing director of this UK-based recruitment agency where I had been for almost five years. And I just knew if I could land three clients, I could land 30. Like, side note, my survival mode is making money. Like, this is what I do. I'm just like, just give me a challenge. I will figure it out. Like, I will make money. I will figure it out. So I knew I could trust myself to do it. And then I quit, and then the pandemic hits. And I would have lost my job two days later had I not quit because when the pandemic hit, my company that I worked for, kind of had to let go of most people because they were based in hospitality. The hospitality industry basically stopped. If I hadn't trusted myself to start this coaching business, I would have been out of a job during a time where no one was hiring. And so I in that moment, I was like, I need to continue trusting myself and betting on myself just like I have been. Something switched in me. And so the clients didn't stop in the pandemic. I continued to book them And at the time I was like the only coach talking about first gen and being first gen and the things that I had worked through. And so clients kept coming to me and like would quote me and say, like, you said this and I feel so seen and you're the only Latina coach that I've seen. And that just, my business continued to grow. Hit six figures my first year, 150K the second year, 333 the following year, which was last year. And I have no doubts that I'm going to be a millionaire. And that also does not mean that this has not been an exceptionally hard journey. Like entrepreneurship has torn me open. Coaching has torn me open, but it's also saved my life. It's changed my life in every way. And it shaped the work that I do now. It shapes it because I have seen firsthand how you can survive in corporate. You can thrive and and, um, achieve in corporate and in college and in all of these structured environments while in survival mode, but for you to work for yourself, for you to be a leader, for you to maybe go beyond like middle management at work and like really thrive and be in leadership and control of your life, for you to live a life of purpose, it requires you to break cycles and to break out of survival mode. It requires self-love. It requires self-trust. It requires you having your own back. It requires you to understand what patterns you are repeating that no longer serve you. Healing got me here and all of those things got me here. That is a big part of what brought me to be a coach because I just knew that my purpose in this world wasn't just for me to make money off of like my expertise that I had gotten in the workforce. I knew that my entire journey of returning home to myself, discovering myself and who I am of healing of becoming the best person that I can be, of becoming the best mom that I can be and not passing on any of those patterns to my daughter. The mission of me helping women like me to create their own paths to money, for them to become their own, you know, brands for them to monetize their stories, for them to make more money for who they are, for them to love themselves more than ever, for them to trust themselves more than ever. I that was more important than any job in corporate I was going to have. And I've created something where all parts of me are in service of my clients. It isn't just the marketing brain. It isn't just these things. It is, it's is—it's all of the elements that contribute to you thriving, leading, making money, being in control of your own life. And this whole story brought me here and I'm just so happy to be with you all. I'm happy to be able to have a vehicle to really like share these things and for you to hopefully feel seen in them. And that if you are in a place in your life now where you feel like something is missing and you don't know why, or maybe you already have your business, but you're just really struggling to trust yourself or Believe that you're good enough. If this feels like you just want to throw in the towel sometimes, or maybe you are making money in your business, but it feels almost like, I don't know that this is sustainable for me. I don't know. I I just want to go back to safety and what I know. Like, we are going to have episodes for you. I'm going to talk all about, you know, different things related to. Navigating difficult emotion in business about how your story can make you money and how your story makes you unlike anybody else. Because this is that's the example that I want to set is that I, I talk about my story a lot because it's infused in the way that I serve and I coach differently as a result of it. And it's the same for you. If you are a leader, if you are a business owner, your identity and your story influences how you see the problem you solve, how you serve your clients. It influences, let's say if you're in corporate, it influences how you see your team, the how you see the problems that you solve. You're all thought leaders. And in sharing my story, I want to show you how like important that is because that is what people resonate with and what they connect to. And nobody has that but you. I'll leave it at that. I'm just so excited to share more as I continue to just bring guests on and just bring more of my story, bring more education, talk about thought leadership, healing, emotional intelligence like all of these things that have been part of my journey and part of hopefully yours as well. So if you resonated with this episode or you saw yourself in it, or it inspired you, or it moved you, or it triggered you, or it activated you. I want to hear about it. I would love if you shared this episode, if you screenshotted it, if you tag me at at mariela.dellamora on Instagram. You also can find me on LinkedIn. I want to hear from you because ultimately this podcast is for you to see yourself and possibilities that are there for you as well, and not just my individual story. And that's why I tell my story, because I want to give you permission. I want to paint a possibility of of what you can do despite the odds, even if you're a single parent, even if you have generational trauma, even if you have ADHD, which I do, even if you've experienced heartbreak, as I have, that it's never too late to rewrite your story and that you have everything you need to create everything you've ever wanted right now. So thank you for being with me and I will see you on the next episode. Now, if you have listened to this entire episode and you are thinking about working with me as your one-on-one mentor for six months, you can learn more and apply at marielladalamora.com. There you'll find dozens of client success stories from business to leadership coaching which will give you an idea of what you can expect the range of clients I work with and my coaching style.